I wanted to mention our, our microphones because actually early on in the uh, podcast, like the first 10 episodes, someone had told us that Cody sounded like he was talking through a PVC pipe mm-hmm. because he had like this gamer headset on. <laughs> and uh, I, had, I had started episode one with the Shure microphone and I eventually made him, I believe it was on episode 10, get a Shure microphone, the MV7. Then you joined the podcast, and I was like, "Look at that!" Even Tim Solo's got sure on V seven. So uh, I actually got it quite recently. Uh, before that, I had uh, Rody. I don't know how to. Oh, Rode, it, yeah, no, Rode, yeah. And yeah. They they also have a pretty nice USB mic because I don't want the mic where I need like some additional hardware to hook it into. Uh, and mm-hmm. this one is pretty cool. So I believe there are like two versions of this Shure microphone. One is kind of more advanced where you need to plug it into some audio interface. And this one is uh, USB, which is absolutely amazing. Yeah, the, um, what is it? The, I can't remember the name of it, but uh, I have, you can't see the back of mine, but I have both options. I can do both uh, USB or through, when we, we did an episode in Japan um, this summer. And we all had our mics plugged into an audio interface. And I, um, although it wasn't this one, no, never mind. This is, I'm detracting. This is weird. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Cody had a starter Uh, question. I did. I did. Um, and I wanted to start doing this, uh, completely out of, um, order, at least in how my brain things were planned out, which was not planned out at all. But, uh, so I'm just going to hit with the first question, which is, Tim, if you had to put a percentage to how much of your job you consider PR, you know, what's public relations for you, what would you say it is? What's your, your time spend, you know, reacting with your, your customer base in a public way, um, doing things like this, being on podcasts, being willing to talk about it? Um, what would you say how much of that is your job at this point? I have no idea, to be honest. So... uh we are like it's it's fun because we are a data company we we sell data we we make money selling data but in terms of putting our marketing into numbers we are not very much data driven so like even if you're asking me for like to put an average number on it i don't know more so i'm not a big fan of kind of marketing terms and definitions because what is PR, what is public relations? What exactly like goes into it and what doesn't go into it? So like you say this is public relations. I, I say this is content marketing because I have some ideas that I'm kind of putting it in a different format on your platform as opposed to our own platform. So is it public pu- public relations? Is it content marketing? Uh, I find it very hard to do, but yeah, uh, I try to be quite active in talking to people, whether at scale like this interview where a bunch of people would be listening or individually uh, on social networks, sometimes in DMs, uh, direct messages. I did a lot more of that uh, in the early days when I joined the company some eight years ago. I just don't have that much time these days to engage with people uh, in one-on-one conversations. Plus, I feel that people are tend to blow my kind of my comments out of proportion, which wasn't happening back in the day. I believe when HFs is was relatively young and I was rather unknown in the industry. I could have like sincere person-to-person conversations with people and people were uh, kind of looking at me, looking at me and understanding me as their peer. Now I feel that dynamic kind of changed and it's almost as some people have their certain idea of like who I am, what the company is. And when you try to talk to them like a human being to human being, not like an executive to a customer, sure. they they don't want to engage this conversation. They feel it's an executive talking to a customer, rather a person talking to person. And I don't like that. I like uh like I, I'm still a person, right? And I want to talk to other people as as another human being. And 
I don't feel this is happening, so this is why I don't enjoy those conversations as much because, yeah, it's it's just just different. It's different to what it was eight years ago. Well, we want to let you talk however you want to talk and not put you in a box at all. So say no, one, no, say whatever you different. want to say. <laughs> this is different. This is different because again, uh, a call when we are talking, there's a lot of context. I can mm-hmm. speak like long sentences. I can explain myself. You can ask me follow-up questions. Plus, we see each other. We see our reactions. You see like my tone, how I'm saying things. It's different to posting a comment on Twitter and replying someone on Twitter because whenever I want to make, I don't know, some innocuous joke, people think I'm condescending. But no, I'm, I try to right. be fun. I try to be friendly. <laughs> You experienced uh, so, this recently in Chiang Mai, right? You, your first slide on your um, on your presentation with the with the HREFs uh, credit, yeah. I thought that was hilarious. Yeah, like yeah. I was laughing yeah. super hard, but that wasn't the case with a lot of people on my feed, and I was like, "Come on, guys, lighten up." So that's the thing because I was in the room. I actually read the room. I had like a lot of conversations with individual people because I could I could remove this joke anytime before going on stage. But I I was quite convinced that it would land well. Plus there was another joke before this because the first thing I said when I walked out is that I'm in a room with 300 SEOs and nobody's trying to kill me yet. And this <laughs> landed. So this was the joke before the joke and I I understood that people feel good about this. So yeah, Every, I I got a ton of good feedback about uh, about my presentation, about the joke, about kind of self what what's it called self deprecating humor because I was making fun of ourselves essentially. Right. So everyone in the audience in person they enjoyed it, but when people started posting it on Twitter, people on Twitter thought about it completely the other way. So that's that's the thing. Like when people are not engaging with you personally. A lot get gets lost in those text messages and those tweets. You don't get the context. Sure. Well, th- one, this probably isn't going to help, but I wanted to tell you anyway um, that um, when Jake told me, he messaged me and said, "Hey, um, there's this guy Tim Solo that we might have on the podcast." It was the first time that I went back to him and said, "I know that guy." You know, <laughs> and we we don't know each other interpersonally, but no, of I remember back in, geez, I don't know how many years ago this was now um inbound.org i don't Mm. know if you you were active there i was active there and i think that's the first um the first time i heard your name and then also saw that you were going over to hrefs yeah Um, yeah yeah. and i know that you've been active since then too so um i i'm also in that that crowd who like knows about you but does not yet know you (laughs) so i'm excited to um to be able to talk and, and give you a platform where there is context and, and rich, you know, material surrounding the conversation so people can take it out of context. Um, I, yeah, well, I felt, thanks for having I felt, me. I felt dumb because I didn't know. <laughs> because, like, I, I don't follow this. I don't really follow the smart people in the SEO community because I, <laughs> I, I do a lot of, like, um, kind of engaging with people who um, are more like beginners because that's the content we produce on this. Um, but then I was like, I sent this to Cody and he was like, that's like, it was he's like, you're familiar with like Rand Fishkin, right? Because that's like, like Tim Solo is like <laughs> up there. And I was like, I know Rand mentioned you in his book though, or no, he mentioned Ahrefs in his book. Yeah. Which I, uh, I synonymize the two now. Th- that's actually a great compliment, uh, to be associated uh, with Rand Fishkin. And fun thing, I... Yesterday, literally, I interviewed him for our upcoming podcast, the the HRS podcast. Oh, no. So, <laughs> oh, nice. Yeah, we we're quite friendly with him, even though we were like uh, competitors back in his days at Moz. Right now, I believe even his uh, non compete or whatever clause with Moz has expired. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, we're quite friendly. I I actually learned SEO from him. Essentially, I was watching the Whiteboard Fridays that he yeah. was uh, posting on SEO Moz back then. So I have a, nothing but respect for the guy. And uh, yeah, we, we communicate him with him once in a while. And yeah, I just love what he does. And I think we share a lot of uh, ideology when it comes to marketing. So I, I love uh, this stuff that he's posting on Spark, Spark Toro blog. 
I loved cool. Whiteboard Friday. The, the, those are uh, those are awesome. I I learned a lot of FCO from from Rand. So Tim, um, we're probably I'm guessing we're gonna have a crossover of of people who don't normally listen, and we also have our loyal listeners for the people who are loyal listeners, and we just keep saying Tim. I think Tim or Jake said your last name, but can we give you the chance to do a short introduction, say who you are, what you do, and then we can go into uh, Ahrefs, the company, and that sort of thing. Uh Sure. So I'm Tim Solo. Uh, that's not actually my real name. That's my kind of internet name because uh, oh. I was born and raised in Ukraine. In, in Ukraine, so my actual name is quite lengthier and harder to pronounce. Uh, this is why uh, I went with a pen name, so to say, or professional name. Uh, yeah, I'm in charge of marketing at Hrefs. Uh, I've been with the company for eight years. I joined when we had like sixteen people total. Uh, and we were doing less than 10 million in annual recurring revenue. And this was my first uh, job of that sort. So it's not that I had previous experience uh, being in charge of like entire marketing department or being a CMO for a SaaS, SaaS company. So I was figuring out things as I uh, go. And yet, eight years later, we are doing more than 100 million of annual recurring revenue. We don't share the exact numbers, but we, we crossed 100 million. Ooh, was it? Was it over two years ago already? Uh, we shared that milestone publicly. Uh, and yeah, our team is still around 100 people. So very efficient, very small, very effective. We pride ourselves uh, on that. Uh, and that's basically it. Ahrefs is an SEO toolkit, SEO platform with uh, a lot of different tools for completing different uh, SEO tasks. Uh, we have lots of great data to make educated decisions or other bets uh in marketing things are bets essentially you you cannot even know like with with all the data that you have you don't necessarily know if, if it would work out but yeah you can you can use your best judgment based on the data that you have so yeah that's basically it. awesome i i cool. didn't know that that was a pen name i i figured like <laughs> if you were gonna pick your own name you would drop the u in your last name and go like full-blown star wars <laughs> so it is, it, yeah, it is inspired by Han Solo from oh, Star Wars, so but nice. I added you specifically to uh, to make it unique, so that it wouldn't be like fully. Uh, was it just fully a simplification of your name, or were you trying to like hide yourself online a little bit too? Uh, team is a simplification because my Ukrainian name is Artem. So basically, the second part is kind of team. And usually people uh, from uh, ex-Soviet Union, from Russia, Ukraine, Belarus, who, whoever has the name Artem, they usually uh, transfer it to team whenever they like do uh, work in English language. So it's quite common for us to kind of change uh, names like that. Uh, yeah, did you, did you know that Rand Fishkin's last name is also not his real name? He's not Fishkin. What? No, I'm learning a ton of stuff now. I didn't know I was going to learn this in this in this episode. I'm excited now. That's uh, news to me too. Uh, quite a lot of people uh, who have public personas, they don't go after their real name for uh, different reasons. My reasoning is not because I want to like hide something. Uh, it's just like easier to. It's it's like that story with Arnold Schwarzenegger. Uh, who had this issue with his last name where producers in Hollywood were saying, we cannot pronounce your name. How do you see your name uh, in uh, on, on the posters? People won't be able to read it. People won't be able to memorize it. And they actually recently released a nice series on Netflix, uh, Arnold, where they show that uh, Arnold Strong, I think he called they called him Arnold Strong uh, in his first wow. movies on the posters of his first movies. So, so they weren't using his his last name, but uh, he had a different mindset. He thought that he can like uh, persevere and like make a career with his actual last name. So he did that. I decided that uh, I'll just simplify it uh, to make it easy for like <laughs> not, global not audience. Not a battle you want to pick is that the producer. <laughs> The producers were going I mean, for keyword volume, and he was going for branding. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Uh, well, I don't have a really good segue into kind of like the meat of this of this episode, um, but the the whole the reason why I wanted to have this with you because when we were talking through email, 
you had said something to me that sounded super cool to hear from someone like you. And that was, there's no such thing as accurate SEO metrics. And like you said earlier in this episode, that everything is really just a bet, no matter how much data you have. And so um, a lot of our listeners, they aren't necessarily in SEO. They might be a social media marketing agency, or they might be an email marketing agency or whatever. But Cody, I think in our, literally our last episode that just aired um, also mentioned that every business, it doesn't matter what kind of agency you are, need to have at least a basic foundational level of SEO. Um, and that's something that we truly believe. So I think it'd, it'd be really cool to hear a little bit about your perspective on best practices for keyword research and some tools that people can use and kind of how you and Ahrefs kind of goes around, uh, goes about, you know, researching uh, keywords for your business. Oh, uh, where do I start? Uh, I need to essentially lay out the whole keyword research thing and uh, the whole SEO thing behind it. Yeah, first of all, what, what I wanted to, to mention is that I don't believe that there's uh, there's a thing like accurate marketing metrics in general. So it's not just limited to SEO metrics because even if you, let's take YouTube views, uh, how many of those views are generated by bots? How many of those views are generated by people who just accidentally clicked uh, and then clicked away? Uh, again, the, the web is rife with bots. Uh, Google Search Console. So you're looking at your impressions in Google Search Console and you're thinking those real people. Uh, but then think about uh, all the rank trackers in the industry who are putting those keywords in Google. Uh, and then you have them showing up in your Google Search Console. And somehow you see that there's a lot of impressions, but little number of clicks. Why is that? Because a lot of people have rank trackers set up and they're inflating your Google Search Console data. So yeah, the web is messy. There's a lot of bot activity. There's a lot of uh, miscalculations, even when like uh, tools like uh, Google Analytics, they calculate uh, those visits, sessions, yada, yada, yada. When you start digging into how those things are calculated, what is considered a session, what is considered a user, there's a lot of little nuance to that because like different IPs, uh, sessions get disconnected, the, the server gets refreshed, blah, 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 blah. Uh, there's a lot of nuance. And I, I challenge anyone who is not in the camp of uh, marketing metrics aren't accurate, try installing two different uh, web analytics softwares on your website. Uh, you'll be amazed uh, with how different the, the metrics on those things would be. This is something we did at Ahrefs back in the day in my first couple of years when we were trying to do marketing according to all the kind of conventional best practices. You need to know your conversions. You need to know your visas, blah, blah, blah. So we installed three different uh, conversion tracking softwares to see how many people coming to our homepage are signing up for the trials, how many of those trials are converting into paid customers. Those three different softwares, I won't be naming them just in case so that people wouldn't think that I'm trying to blackmouth anyone, but those three different softwares were showing us different numbers. So like, what's the point of knowing if your conversion rate is 5% or 6% if different tools will give you 5% or 6% depending on the tool? All you should essentially care about is that your conversion rate is as high as it could be. And for that, you don't necessarily need to measure that because if I know that my conversion rate is 7%, what do I rest on my laurels? Because if I have ideas of what I could, could, could possibly do on the page to improve that conversion rate, I should implement them. Uh, if I don't have ideas of what I can further improve, then what's the point of measuring that conversion rate? So yeah, uh, this is a bit of a tangent uh, on the fact that I don't believe that any metrics in marketing are accurate overall, but most of the time they're directionally accurate. So if you measure your conversion rate and it's 3%, you kind of know it's not 20%. So it's like it's in the single digit. It, you know it is small. Uh, now let's tie that to keyword research. So when doing when doing keyword research, a lot of people are trying to find topics where they can rank in Google 
and get traffic. So they are interested with the popularity of keywords. But most of our customers, they understand that the data is directionally accurate. But we have certain people, usually those people are new to the SEO industry. So they would check the keyword in Ahrefs. And it's actually not a problem of Ahrefs. All the SEO tools, all the keyword research tools, we have more or less kind of the same <laughs> the same level of inaccuracy, so to say. So they would check the search volume in any SEO tool, and then they would go to their Google Search Console, and they would say, oh, my Google Search Console shows this amount of impressions in the last 30 days, and Ahrefs says it's like two times less or two times more. So it means Ahrefs is inaccurate, Ahrefs is shit, uh, I shouldn't be paying for it. <laughs> Because they're, they're using, like, they're treating Google as, like, the single source of truth. Like, the Google tools are, like, the answer. Yeah, yeah. But like I said, there are lots of flaws with the Google tools themselves. I mean, we have a very nice uh, little research published on Ahrefs' blog by Patrick Stokes, uh, where he was saying that something like 50% of clicks in Google Search Console are not attributed to any keywords. So they're hiding a lot of keyword data. Uh, you can search in Google, like Google Search Console study Ahrefs. Uh, I'm sure you'll find that article. So it's it's very interesting. And then, like I said, uh, there are rank tracker uh, bots and other like bot activity that searches Google and inflates, inflates those numbers. So your Google Search Console data is already not indicative of real humans. And then these are searches. These are not individual people. So if you expect that a hundred searches means that a hundred people search for this thing, so you have like a hundred potential customers. No, it's not that. Like people could have a browser tab opened. They closed their computer. They opened it. It reloaded. It's another search, but it's not a different person. So there are a lot of nuances. And um, again, another thing. So we were talking about the inaccuracy of the actual Google Search Console data that people want to trust as their single source of truth. But when, when it comes to SEO tools like Ahrefs, people are checking the amount of impressions for the past month but the the month is usually not finished so we we cannot know the data for the most recent recent month because we have to collect it we have to process it we have to blend it with some other sources because we don't just take uh search volume data from google keyword planner or google search console or like our historical clickstream or google There, there are many different sources that we can blend to kind of make our most accurate estimation of what we think the search volume of that keyword is. And yet, we cannot know it for the past month. And of course, we cannot know it for like the month to come. We cannot look into the future and tell you, uh, we, we can sh- we can show you trend to, to give you an idea where this thing is going. But we cannot look into the future and we cannot know the data for the most recent month because we're kind of still collecting it. So yeah, uh, it's not accurate because it cannot be accurate by design, by definition, but it's directionally accurate. Because if you know that one keyword is getting 100 searches per month and another keyword is getting 5,000 searches per month, you can tell that one topic is way bigger than the other already. So that is directionally accurate. And uh, if you already have one of those topics covered on your website, you can cross-reference. Okay, if this topic is bringing me that, then this topic would be bringing me less and you can do those comparisons. So that's basically the, 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 the main idea behind this. So if, if uh, keyword data is so inaccurate, how do you go about researching which keywords that you should be kind of looking for for your business? I mean, you might have Google Search Console might be saying that there's super limited search volume for like a really high dollar keyword that you think would be profitable for you or it might say there's a ton of search volume for something that's a little more broad. Uh, Yeah, so like I said, the data is directionally accurate. So search volume is still massively useful for understanding how popular the keyword is. Plus, again, let's not forget that pages don't rank for just one keyword. Uh, Pages typically rank for hundreds, sometimes thousands of keywords. I think we also did a study uh, back in the day, it's a few years old, where we tried to study how many keywords on average 
the number one ranking page would rank for. And the average was about a thousand uh, because whatever you're searching for, there are many different ways to put it. And Google understands that those keywords mean the same and uh, Google would rank pretty much the same pages for those keywords. So by looking at the search volume, you are already uh, doing the wrong thing because you need to look at the total traffic of the top ranking pages. That's what we do in our own marketing department at Ahrefs uh, blog team this is we, we're looking at the top ranking pages for the keyword that you want to rank for and we gauge how much search traffic uh those pages are getting we we actually love this method so much that we introduced the metric uh in our keyword uh keywords explorer tool called traffic potential uh basically it's a very simple metric we look at the top ranking page for your keyword uh and we show you how much search traffic the top ranking page is getting so uh as easy as that it gives you kind of a quick a quick estimation of what the search traffic would be and again it's it's not an accurate number it's our estimation so the 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 resulting number may vary but uh what's also very important is that uh well for different companies for different businesses the consideration process and the whole kind of content marketing thing would be different it's one thing when you have uh e-commerce website uh, it's a different thing when you have affiliate website. It's a different thing where you're doing content marketing for SaaS, like we're doing for Ahrefs. This is why SEOs often cannot agree on many things because SEO is so very different in those different industries. I mean, if you're an affiliate SEO and you can just build five sites that you're not uh, not worried to risk, not worried to throw away if Google would, would penalize them, and you're happy to do all sorts of uh, gray hat shady tactics, your your methods, your workflows would be very different from the ones we use here at Ahrefs, where we have uh, a single website, we have a single blog, we have reputation to uphold, uh, and uh, yeah, we are very meticulous with everything we do. So, in the keyword research process, if we're talking about kind of uh, higher tier output, uh, more so for websites where you want to play the long game as opposed to uh, testing and throwing them away if it doesn't work, there are many other considerations that go into keyword research process uh, except for the search volume. Because... Uh, who is going to write this piece of content? Uh, is this person an authority in this field? Uh, who are the competitors for this piece of content? Do we have something interesting to say, the so-called information gain that Google seems to uh, be wanting to see in the search results? What is the business potential of this thing? This is actually a very big metric for us at Ahrefs because business potential is essentially something we kind of developed internally. Uh, instead of those... Uh, Tofu, mofu, bofu, which sounds like a hip, hip fusion restaurant. Uh, we <laughs> we actually have uh, business potential because if if the keyword is top of the funnel, does it mean that I cannot promote and sell my product? If I'm talking about the general topic of SEO, can't I promote Hrefs? Does this mean that I cannot get people interested in Hrefs? No, it's like a good salesman can walk you through the entire funnel from top of the funnel to middle to the bottom of the funnel in one conversation. This is what you can do in an article. If, if, you, if, if someone is coming from top of the funnel, throughout your article, you can walk them through stages and you can eventually sell your product to them. So we approach, uh, we don't look at keywords as uh, top of the funnel, middle of... We don't even look at like informational, transactional. We don't see those things as being helpful for our content strategy, but we look at business potential. Uh, this is a simple score from zero to three where we gauge how easy would it be for us to pitch and sell and get people interested in our product within the context of a given topic. And for example, business potential of three would be topic like how to browse my competitors' backlinks, how to know who is linking to my competitors. It's a business potential of three because there's no way to browse your competitors' backlinks without a tool like Ahrefs. You, you cannot do it manually. You cannot visit all the pages in the web manually and see, oh, this page is linking to my competitor, this page doesn't. So it's a business potential three to us. Business potential of two is something like SEO tips. So we can give like a few dozen SEO tips. Some of them would require you to use Ahrefs. Some of them can be implemented 
without hrefs. So it's not necessarily that people reading this article would have to use hrefs to achieve their goal, but we can still give them some good advice and we can still get them interested in our product. Uh, business potential of one uh, is something where we can mention our product, but the chances that the person will convert are slim. So for example, marketing strategies. There's social media marketing, there's email marketing, there's PR, yada, yada, yada. And we can mention that like SEO is one of the marketing strategies, is very effective. Ahrefs is a great tool that helps you. But because it's a list of marketing strategies, the chances that people will convert into uh, customers of Ahrefs are very slim. And then business potential of zero means that you cannot even mention uh, your product or your company within content. And we naturally tend to uh, avoid topics with business potential of zero, even if they have a lot of search volume, uh, we would generally steer away from them. So if you go to Ahrefs blog and start clicking, opening all of our most recent articles, and you would open like a 50 or 100 of them, uh, I challenge you to find at least, I don't know, three articles where there is no single screenshot of our product because we tie our product to, to the to the keywords that we're writing for, to the, to the topics that we're covering. And I think this is a very important consideration uh, to understand, okay, this keyword has this kind of popularity, this kind of traffic potential, so the top-ranking pages seem, seem to be getting this much traffic, but how likely it is that I would be able to make the person reading the article interested in my business, service, product? How likely am I to sell it to them? So it's kind of different with affiliate marketing because uh, most of the keywords are have kind of some, some purchase intent to start with. So people are searching for best uh, vacuum cleaners, best this, best that, review of this, review of that. So there's many review keywords, there's many best keywords, there's many like price keywords, deals, blah, blah, blah. Uh, for us, it's different because we're going for kind of informational keywords, but we, 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 we want to turn those informational keywords into transactional keywords uh, in the course of our article. So yeah, this is a very important uh, part of the consideration in our keyword research process. Plus, of course, uh, yeah, the resources. Who is going to write this article? Are we an expert in this field? Can we contribute something unique? Those things are very important because unless you're able to create something unique and create something interesting, your article wouldn't rank as well and you wouldn't be able to get traffic and sell your product to them. Uh, that was quite lengthy, so I'll, I'm going to <laughs> shut up now. Uh, I was going to say, man, we, we had these questions and you, without us asking them, you answered all of them. Um, so like I have, I, I have more that I thought of along the way, but like I, I want to point out, so some of the stuff is, you know, um, some people just believe in Google tools. I'm probably, I'm one of the, the bigger advocates of that in that, especially early on, all you need because um a lot of our listeners are in the the crowd of i need all these tools and different softwares to get started and we don't think that you do right if you're just getting started and you don't have these things you don't have funds you don't have capital then you can work with free tools um and then you explain i disagree oh really can i can i intervene go yes. for it <laughs> so uh i completely disagree because uh free tools don't give you competitive intel so one simple thing that you can do in Ahrefs is you can browse the website of your competitor. And for example, we have a report called Site Structure, which can tell you how their pages are organized and which kind of subfolders or subsections of their website are bringing them uh, this much traffic. So for example, uh, it's very interesting to browse our own website, ahrefs.com. Uh, it's structure, and you can see that we have a glossary. We, you can see that we have an interesting section, SEO for X, like SEO for photographers, SEO for dentists, blah, blah, blah. And we have our blog. We have the section of our SEO tools. So it's very interesting to break down our website and see all the different ways and strategies and subsections that are giving us traffic. Uh, plus, you can see which which are our best performing pages in terms of traffic. You can see which pages brought us the most backlinks. For example, you can see some of our research studies that attracted uh, an outsized amount of backlinks for us. For example, the other day, uh, a couple of years ago, we did a study of featured snippets back when featured snippets were the hot topic in SEO. We did a study to show like 
how frequently Google is showing them, uh, at which positions they're being shown, yada, yada, yada. And we got a ton of links. We got links, uh, I believe, from TechCrunch, from VentureBeat. A lot of people were referencing the study. So you cannot get this kind of intel, this kind of information from any of the free tools because it is expensive to collect it. So no free tool uh, gives you this for free. But what I do agree with is that you don't need a subscription to Ahrefs if you're just starting out. So what you can do, you can pay for a single month. In that month, you can collect a lot of interesting data that would help you to figure out your own strategy. You would browse everything that your competitors are doing. You would see all their wins. You would see what work, what works for them. And then you can devise your own plan based on what you saw in the industry. And at this point, you can cancel Ahrefs and you'll have like a year of to-do list of what to, to be working on. And then as your business grows, uh, as you mature and as you start hiring your own marketing team to like work full time on those things, then you would need kind of permanent access to a tool like that to get more and more insights as you go. Because like whatever industry you're in, things are changing, your competitors are publishing new content, you have to keep up, you you have to understand what's happening. You have to uh, do audits of your website, yada, yada, yada. So if you're starting out, I think it is actually very important to have a great map of where you want to go. You don't want to go just in some random direction with limited amount of data to make your decisions. You actually want to collect as much data as you can and then choose the path and pursue it. So, so yeah, but, is, but you is don't that your need... issue the the limited amount of data though? Because so for example, competitive analysis and competitive uh, advantage, that sort of thing. To some extent, you can research that on your own. It is time consuming, but you you can. So is it just the lack of the full extent that you're saying is important that you should have all of that before you get started? I'm saying, for example, you, you find a keyword that you want to go target and rank for and you, you justify your volume. You you do a, a manual analysis of what the current landscape looks like in the SERP. And then you decide that it is something that you do want to pursue. Are you saying that it's it's worth it. It's more advantageous to have a more thorough, a more complete review of that before you get started that you you can't get just by doing things manually or for free. Yeah, of course. Like I said, there are there are many things that you can easily get in Ahrefs that you wouldn't be able to get uh, for free. Like how do you know the most linked pages of your competitors? Most linked is is sound like technical term. Let's call them most notable. Because if people are linking to this content, it is somehow notable. So people are talking about this. So what did your competitors do to make people talk about this? And in Ahrefs, you can discover it in a matter of seconds. So I have an example of uh, my friend who was looking for uh, a niche to kind of start a business in. Uh, And I was just randomly throwing him ideas. What about this niche? What about that niche? And I was pushing him man, like you can be successful in any niche, just like stick to it, just do the job, blah, blah, blah. But he was, no, no, no. Like I I do want to commit. I do want to put in the work, but I want to have confidence that I would choose the kind of the most lucrative niche uh, with kind of the least competition, uh, blah, blah, blah. So he spent basically a couple months like doing research, and like uh, thinking about things and he chose a niche. I, I won't uh, disclose it. Uh, and he's killing it right now. And I believe one of the main reasons why he's killing it is because he took time to identify what would be the best investment of his time and effort. Other than that, uh, if you want to start a business and you're, you're I don't know, either you're unsure or, th- or thrifty Oh, that you cannot invest, I know, $200 for a premium competitive intelligence to help you with your decisions, what kind of business would that be if you like, cannot make an investment of $200 to start it? I mean, back when, before I joined Ahrefs, uh, I was uh, doing some of my own site projects and one of them was uh, doing plugins for WordPress I was paying developers thousands of dollars to develop a plugin for me before I knew that it would sell or not. So it's a bet. Like I have to invest 
to create a business. And if you want to create a business for free, that wouldn't probably be a good business. So, <laughs> uh, well, so it's funny. It's funny because we um, maybe, and I say this all the time. We got lucky with our niche. So we were landscaping and lawn care. That's that's our agency's niche. And we got lucky because we picked um, a, a niche that's relatively lucrative. They provide a, r- a regular service. So our clients aren't always out there fishing for new clients. Um, and there's always a new landscaper. It's a low barrier to entry market. So there's always new people coming to the forefront. Um, but one of the things that we pride ourselves on is that we we haven't invested in an SEO tool since we started. Um and that's that's a little bit of a detract because we had a reporting tool that had some SEO capabilities. Um, we just never really used it. But um, what it sounded like, what, what it kind of sounds like is is uh, you can it, it's it's a better investment for the map. Uh, you were saying that there was a map, like you can get a map from Ahrefs basically of where to go based on where your competitors are. And we didn't really have that when we started. We just kind of picked a direction. And that direction for us was lawn care marketing agency. And if you search that into Google, we're number one, almost everywhere, anytime you search. And when I started that in Google Search Console, there was almost no volume for that keyword at all. Turns out we get tons of volume for that keyword. Um, Now that we're coming in, and even in Google Keyword Planner, Google Keyword Planner was saying like, 10 searches a month. Let me tell you, there's way more than that. Google Keyword Planner was not being honest. And uh, uh, when I first started, I wanted to do like SEO for lawn care companies, social media for lawn care companies. And what we found out was nobody's looking for that. Everybody's looking for lawn care marketing. And um, a lot of that was dumb luck. And a lot of it was just because Cody and I had a history in SEO. So like we know exactly kind of what our plan is regardless of what our competitors are doing and i and i i have a philosophy that i don't like doing what my competitors are doing or don't like dissecting what they're doing because you're never going to be better than them if you just copy what they're doing um and so that was my initial thought process so when you were talking about a roadmap it, to me that what you were saying was like why walk when you can run um you know at the beginning Am I off base or is that kind of, how do you feel? So uh, there's quite a few things to unpack there. Uh, first of all, <laughs> uh, first of all, there's this thing about um, search demand and search volume uh, that you can grow the search, the search demand, the search volume by fulfilling it. And we have a very interesting case uh, at Hrefs, which I uh, tweeted uh, this earlier this year. Basically, uh, some of our customers were asking us to develop Google Data Studio Connector. And when we looked into our Google Search Console to see how many people are searching for things like Ahrefs Google Data Studio Connector, Ahrefs GDS, Ahrefs Data Studio, those kinds of queries, very, very small, like uh, single digits of people per month, Uh, which means that no one needs it, right? But our customers kept asking, guys, you you should develop it. We need it for reporting. So we would consistently get like uh, two or three requests like that from our support all the time. So we developed it. We put out a landing page that, hey, Ahrefs has Google Data Studio connectors. And uh, whenever you search for it, our landing page would rank. While previously, some pages from Ahrefs.com would rank, but none of them would be relevant. And now when we look into our Google Search Console, the number of searches related to Ahrefs Google Data Studio Connector started to grow. When then it got mixed up because they renamed Google Data Studio to Looker Studio and that kind of (laughs) uh, messed with our experiment. But the thing is, the search demand was growing because as people were discovering that, oh, they actually have those Google Data Studio Connectors. The first thing that happens and which might have been happening in your case, people might not necessarily act right away. So they, they check that uh, uh, we have Google Data Studio connectors. They, okay, I'll come back to it later. And like a few days later, they search for it again because they might not have bookmarked the page. They just know they can find it. So they doing like subsequent searches to, to find it again. And then they tell their friends. They implement this. Their team learns about it. Those people started searching. They're finding it. They're telling to more people. And basically word of mouth, it generates search demand. So it can be the same with any search query. 
if people are searching for it and they're not finding anything substantial, anything of value, uh, the search demand will stay low because people are not finding it. People are not getting value from it. But if you fulfill the search demand, if you give people what they want and they become successful with it and they like it, uh, then word of mouth kicks in. They start telling to other people, they start talking about it, and more people are starting uh, starting to search about it. So this is another kind of counterintuitive thing where people can make their own decision. Oh, the search volume is low, I shouldn't pursue it. But there are more things to consider. The search volume is low, but is anyone doing a good job with this to start with? Are like people fulfilling the search demand? Then uh, to your comment about something like why go slow when you go when you can go fast? Uh, sure, you can go fast in the wrong direction. Uh, and uh, again, this is like survivorship bias. Uh, it's kind of like when I'm saying that Ahrefs was able to grow to over 100 million without marketing analytics so we're not tracking our conversions we're not tracking marketing attribution we just grow and we know that we're growing and a lot of people are saying but wouldn't you grow better if you had marketing analytics and there's no way for me to answer because i cannot split the universe in two and they cannot test okay this is we with marketing analytics this is we without but i i feel that marketing analytics would uh, only hold us back but uh i don't think that it would slow you down much if you would spend a week doing research and collecting ideas. Plus, I kind of disagree about uh, looking at your competitors is bad because you will always be copying them and blah, blah, blah. I If, if I were to estimate how many of my marketing ideas and campaigns were in one way or another inspired but what others are doing not necessarily our direct competitors but just other companies in the space that i was like monitoring that i was following i think it's about like 70 percent. so like more than half of the things we're doing are inspired i'm not saying we're just copying okay they did this let's copy it no like it we figure out how to do things better how to take our spin on it for example I'm not sure if you've seen our SEO for Beginners book, uh, hardcover book. It's quite popular in the industry. Uh, we're actually getting uh, a few sales every week of that book without even promoting it in any way. So people are just finding it, people telling it about it to our friends. Link in the description. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, and this book was inspired by the book I got some five years ago from Intercom. So Intercom is uh, the kind of uh, customer relationship slash support chat company uh, that we've been using for many years. And I ordered uh, a nice hardcover book from them and they got it in mail. And I was so amazed with that kind of physical experience with the brand that I thought, oh, I want to do this for, for HFs. I want to do someday a very nice looking book like full color with like lots of pictures with lots of branding. So that it's kind of like it's a souvenir. It's not necessarily something you want to read, but it's something you want to have like uh, at your work on the shelf because it just look good. And yeah, uh, if anyone is interested, search for HRF's book on YouTube. We have a very hilarious ad uh, for it because it, it doesn't talk about the content content of the book it only talks about how beautiful it is so yeah i i kind of disagree that uh you shouldn't look at your competitors i think you're you don't need to copy your competitors but knowing what they are doing would help and push you to do like more things to do things better to do unique things so yeah i think part take. of it is we're in a relatively low competition niche right i mean when when you start up in competition those things become more important relatively because, right at the bottom yeah. tier there's like a ton but then like you get to like a certain level of like agency ownership and then like the competition like severely thins out or just being local services versus e-commerce versus SaaS, right i mean a, a lot of that a lot of those things can become a lot more competitive to the point that like i i'm not in e-commerce jenny um, my partner she's in e-commerce and i I hear these things secondhand too, where I'm like, yeah, no, that makes sense. It's it's compared to us more cutthroat, um, not on the whole, but just our use case versus her use case. So I hear where you're coming from. That makes sense. Um, I wanted to, we're, we're, we've used up quite a bit of your time. So I think the the last thing that we wanted to ask about was um, Ahrefs pricing and, you know, 
so if you're advocating for people who are just starting out to use it, even if it's just for a little while, um, to, to make a, a business plan early on and then come back to it later, if that's what they need for the business intelligence and that sort of thing, what's pricing. And, um, if you could recap too, because I, I didn't know what your previous pricing was. Um, but there was a change and it was a hot topic, right? So what happened there and, and what's going on? Uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's very easy what happened there. We essentially uh, raised prices, but we didn't raise them. We, we didn't quite raise them to everyone, but we more, more so implemented usage-based pricing where people who use the platform more uh, should use it more. Well, it's a bit more complicated than that because as we rolled out this new usage-based pricing, we also uh, revamped our packages. And now we have kind of legacy packages and we have new packages. And new packages are, in some ways, are better than old ones. In other ways, they are slightly more limited. And that caused uh, quite a bit of people being unhappy with uh, the changes because they needed to switch to new packages and they would lose some things, they would uh, gain some things. And some people were happy with the difference between what they're losing and what they're gaining. Uh, others others weren't. Uh, Tim, was it your fault? Were you the guy? Like, did you make the change yourself and then you made everybody mad? Or, I just want to know if people are listening and they're like, Tim, that guy, he's the one I should be mad at. Or so, internally, how did how did that decision come about? There is there is no single person to blame uh, because no single person uh, makes this decision. Uh, it's it's our CEO, it's me, it's our product team, uh, it's uh, other people from the marketing team, from the devs team are weighing in because those decisions are not just based. Oh, we like we need more money. Let's like cut the features. <laughs> Because the, the engineering team has a lot of say there as well, because they're saying, oh, like these features are quite expensive to run and a lot of people are abusing them and we have downtimes because of that. So we need to specifically cut out these features. And then, for example, the, the customer support team would come in and say that, oh, like we have people uh, who are abusing our platform like that. So we need to look into those things. And then we look at our roadmap and we see that, okay, we have these features planned and these features would be better on like higher tier plans. So we can, there's a lot of bells and whistles that goes into it. So it's not just a single person saying, let's cut features there. Let's raise prices here. It's more of a, like, I know it's kind of like a living organism and uh, it's not even set in stone because since we released this usage-based pricing and as we were having conversations with customers, we made a lot of changes. We made a lot of concessions. And as the, the as we keep developing the tool and as we keep adding more stuff that helps us differentiate packages, because different pricing packages, they exist for a reason, because you, you want to give different amount of value to different, to different people and charge them differently. So it is normal that on lower tier plans, you get less. On higher tier plans, you get more. It's how... The world works. I mean, if you go to, uh, I don't know, to to buy a car, there are different uh, layers. You can get the same car with different amount of features, and it would cost you uh, a different amount. And some people are are uh, communicating as if all features should be available to everyone, and it should be uh, dirt cheap and things like that. So, uh, yeah, but one important thing that uh, I need to mention here in, in regards to this whole uh, backlash on social media about our pricing. So if you if you search on Reddit uh, for Team Solo HFs and find my thread from year 2015 when I just joined the company and they posted a thread on Reddit asking for feedback and you read the comments there, like 80% of them back in 2015 were people unhappy about our pricing it was year 2015 we had uh, i think less than 5000 paying customers uh, right now it is year 2023 or 24 depending on when the this episode goes out and we have over 50000 paying customers i don't i don't know the exact number maybe it's actually closer to 60000 uh, i'm not even sure 
And we have a lot of people, because like these are kind of active paying customers, and we have a lot of people who kind of go in and out. So our total user base has grown more than 10x. So if back in 2015, with like a relatively small user, user base, we had some people who are vocal about not liking our pricing, imagine what would happen when you have 10x the amount of users you you would get more vocal users who are unhappy but if you look at the at how many paying customers we have and how many of them are unhappy on social media it's a very small number so i think like it's proportionate to what we were getting in the year 2015 this is why we are not kind of we are not going crazy about it the skies don't fall because we like we've we've been seeing what's happening throughout like the past 10 years as we were implementing some changes, changing some pricing. And I would say that the percentage of people who are not happy about pricing and like who are the people uh, who are not happy about pricing? These are the people who don't think that they're getting enough value for the price they pay. And it's okay. There would, there would always be people who don't need this kind of value for this kind of price. Just the tool is not for them and it's okay. But just like different personalities of people, some people just move on and go look for another tool where they feel that the value to pricing uh, for them, for their specific case, is more fair. Uh, other, other people uh, prefer to go and like uh, vent on social media. And it's fine. It's just like different personalities. I think the saying, the smallest group beats the loudest drum, I think is true yeah. too. Um, but I think a lot of people too, they don't know that just because you're a SaaS company doesn't necessarily mean you're um, your margins are scalable with the base package price because as people request more data, I don't think a lot of people understand, especially agencies, they don't understand the the ETL process and that, you know, querying this data and um, storing it is exponential as soon as you start, you know, requesting more data. And if people, if Ahrefs has to constantly innovate and be up against competitors you've got to start pulling in more and more and more data and that gets extremely expensive so when you switch to a usage-based pricing what you're doing is you're pricing your product in accordance with the costs of your product and if you were just if you kept it the old way i mean eventually there was going to be a lot of attrition there uh thank you for first of all, for pointing it out. And thank you for mentioning our competitors, because I think it is very important uh, to understand that our company doesn't exist in, in vacuum. There is a competitive space. Uh, they uh, who like we are fighting for a piece of the pie and our main competitor, that, that is SEMrush, their marketing budget, their marketing budget is the size of our annual recurring revenue. So while we're making like over a hundred million per year, they spending around a hundred million per year on marketing alone. So they're a public company. You can, you can check their, uh, filings, filings, public reports. Uh, I think it's $90 million per year or something like that. So they are spending exorbitant amount of money and they are burning money because they're a public company. They have cash in the bank so they can burn money for their growth. So they, they they're actually purchasing customers we are we are not venture funded we are bootstrapped we have to keep our uh spend below our revenue we have to keep a healthy profit margin and we have to be able to reinvest we need to be able to hire more smart people we need to invest in our infrastructure uh, we need to go to where the industry is going and make all sorts of bets because we need to stay afloat and uh, in the competitive space, it is important to be able to have the funds to invest in your business, to be able to do some experiments that would fail and some experiments that would help you to build something awesome. So, yeah, uh, basically, again, we're having a business conversation right now. We're not having a conversation as like customers to, to a company, but we're talking like business owners. And if you go to any business conference, number one advice is, Raise your prices. Raise your prices every year. As your as your business matures, as you're providing more value to your customers, as you can serve your customers better, you need to readjust your prices. And we didn't touch our prices for a very long while. And we also had a lot of cases where uh, big companies, for example, big marketing agencies, uh, I would talk to them at conferences and uh, I would say, oh, so you're an HRF's customer. Like, how big is your agency? And the person would say, oh, it's like 20 people 
uh, are working for me full time. And I'm like, oh, what kind of HF's account do you have? And they were like, uh, just a standard account. We're paying like uh, one ninety nine. <laughs> and just sharing a Ute login. <laughs> yeah, they would be paying two hundred dollars per month for HF's, while HF's is critical tool for example they have a link building agency so they need hrefs daily to do research of links for their competitors like to get our metrics so they rely on our tool to uh, run their business they have like 20 people using it and like sharing logins and we were like uh that doesn't kind of seem fair like they're consuming a ton of your data too like if that's their model i mean they're they're requesting that you etl all that data and query that data for them every day yeah yeah Yeah. it makes i i have um cody made it seem like we were going to end right there but i had one more question i can be done i'll just hold my mouth shut from now on all right, shut up, Cody. I'm just kidding. <laughs> no, why Ahrefs? So why use Ahrefs for a keyword um, explorer or a keyword tool versus a free tool like Google Search Console and or Google Keyword Planner? Mm, uh, good question. So, for example, uh, Google Search Console only gives you the keywords that you're already ranking for. So it's not a keyword research tool. Uh, it can give you... Uh, understanding of what are people searching for where your website is showing up. And this can also be useful. Uh, I don't mean that it's not useful because uh, like in our case, uh, I just shared the story of how we were looking up that people are searching for Google Data Studio connectors and we didn't have that page, but people were looking into this and this was a branded term. So our pages were showing up. So it was recorded in our Google Search Console. So it's definitely useful to understand how people are currently finding your website and if you are properly serving all that searches that uh, that people use to kind of see your website in the search results. Uh, As for Google Keyword Planner, Uh, First of all, it's a tool for advertisers, not for people who create uh, content to rank organically. And the the, the first problem with that is that unless you run advertising campaigns, it won't show you uh, kind of more precise search volume data. It would show you ranges, something like from 100 to 1,000, from 1,000 to 5,000, from 5,000 to 10,000. So uh, again, because... The, the data is kind of directional anyway, it's kind of can be useful even at that level. But then uh, still, they're like, you cannot dig deeper into this. So it, it tells you that a keyword is getting from 1,000 to 5,000 visits per month. And that that's about it. It got, doesn't give you any other data. So for example, the data that uh, Keywords Explorer, uh, our Ahrefs tool gives you, it shows you the list of top ranking pages. Like I said, it calculates what is the total search traffic potential of those pages. Uh, and then it gives it shows you how many links those top ranking pages are having. And we have the, the metric called keyword difficulty, which is basically a proxy to how many links the top ranking pages have. Because more often than not, if your page doesn't have as many backlinks as the top ranking pages, you are unlikely to rank at the top. Uh, it's it's not a rule. Uh, sometimes there are exceptions. Uh, for example, if the topic is not well covered by those pages with a lot of backlinks, but you publish a page that covers the topic super well, then you might rank even if you have zero backlinks, essentially. But most of the time, if your competitors have covered the topic as well as you did, and they have backlinks but you don't, you're not going to rank. So this is another thing, another kind of layer of competitive intelligence and data that can help you make decisions. So you would rather go after keywords where you can see that it is easier to rank for you, and Ahrefs helps you understand this. And finally, uh, when you use something like Google Keyword Planner, it gives you something like, 700 keyword ideas or something like that. Uh, When you use Ahrefs, uh, you put, for example, a keyword like marketing and it would spit out like, I don't know, 26 millions of keyword ideas. And then you can use filters. For example, you can filter all keywords with keyword difficulty zero that contain the word marketing in them. And you'll see all the keywords where people are searching for something, something marketing and all the pages don't have links, which means it would be easy for you to rank for. So these are just, yeah. That's like a good like niche detector then. Like, yeah, in a way. Yeah, so it's like you could do like, you know, 
such such marketing and then you know filter to low competition and then it's basically saying like there's all these people searching for this niche marketing but there's no competition so <laughs> Uh, in terms of niche finder, there is even a better way. So what you can do in Keyword Explorer is an empty search. So you can you can you can Go like uh, not put any keyword in the input field. Uh, click search, and it would expose our entire database of keywords. And you can filter those keywords by search volume and keyword difficulty. So for example, you can try searching for keywords that have search volume of over. 5,000 visits per month and keyword difficulty of zero. And then just scroll and browse what kind of keywords these are without necessarily having any specific seed keyword or term in them. And yeah, just browse niches. That's going to be a TikTok short right there. Yeah. Uh, no, I think I think overall that's that's pretty much it. I think um, the best uh, or where we kind of end this here is how can uh, just give us a little bit of how people can find you, and then if you want to just uh, give a little Ahrefs plug, and then uh, we can wrap up. Uh, I think I'm most active on Twitter these days, but probably I should be more active on LinkedIn uh, because LinkedIn seems to ha- seems to be very. Uh, active right now so a lot of people uh, are there uh team solo uh, with a u not not like hand solo with uh, just o's uh plug for plug for hrefs uh, well i would just recommend people to find us on youtube we have a pretty cool uh youtube channel where we publish uh, <clears throat> all sorts of interesting videos <clears throat> and uh once you check out some of our videos and understand what our tools do uh, then you would probably make a decision if you need to use something like that in your current situation. Awesome. Well, Tim, uh, stay on for a second. We'll let these uh, these little audio files load here. But um, I really appreciate you jumping on the podcast. I think a lot of people are going to find value out of this. I found value out of this. I'm not even a paid tool user, but <laughs> now I'm probably going to be. So, um, Thanks a lot for inviting yeah awesome man thanks for coming um but uh hopefully you know in the near future we'll have you on again for some other reason so otherwise um everybody thanks for listening we'll catch you next time see you